You are listening to the World of Games Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this big blue marble we call planet Earth. How are you doing, everybody? Happy Monday to you. It's a beautiful Monday morning here. And again, I'm at my one of my favorite spots to do my work and to cut a couple of segments with you. So this is going to be pretty fun. Really nice today. What is today? It is August 9th. 2021. So before I get into the show, I kind of wanted to touch base, kind of keep updated on this whole driver's license issue I had. And what's going on with the DMV is this is what's going on. So I happened to get some some pretty bad news from this so-called multiple offender program. Now, before I go any further, let me just, just in case you don't know what's going on, I'll, I'll quickly give you the setup to this. It, I'll it's a complicated story, but I'm just going to give it to you in just brief context because it's just it's confusing. But basically, back in 1997, uh, I made some poor decisions that involved alcohol and getting behind the wheel of a car. Not once, not twice, but three times. Um, it led to, of course, some court conflict. Part of that was attending a, I guess you could say, a recovery program for 45 days. And then I would have to join up with a 18-month 18, 18 DUI multiple offender program. And part of that was to, if you couldn't pay for the course up front, you just pay an upfront fee and then you can work on a sliding ske- uh, schedule. And unfortunately back then, back in the, what was it? late 90s this is like 23 years ago so i had to, i was pretty broke uh, i didn't know <laughs> I, I was on general assistance i was in voluntarily into this transitional program where you you know you come from a rehab and then you get you know you just kind of go in with a bunch of other guys you work in this communal place and you, you just live the 12-step program and i was doing that for a couple of years and but i was in between part-time job and general assistance and paying the a transitional people about $600 a month I was left broke and so I couldn't really pay for this this class so what I did was I made a deal with the guy at the time who was a I guess you can call a mm, the dean I guess uh, the financial officer the head guy and I had told him my situation being in this program and what he did was he put me on a sliding schedule and then when the completion of the course came you come pay you know pay what you could or you set up a program a sliding a sliding scale program uh, fee or whatever they want to call it and they give you uh, you can pay it off either monthly or I forgot how it went but you would get your certificate once you paid them so I went ahead and I did the 18-month program. I completed it, and about a month before you get the certificate, before the completion of the of the class, they will the office, the head office, would contact you and say, "Okay, it's time. You know, we got to start discussing all the matters with the money and all that stuff." And and what had happened was, I told them my situation that I couldn't pay. I was on general assistance. I was in a transitional program uh, and I had made a deal with this one this gentleman I forgot his name right off the top and they says yeah we know about the guy but he left us about six months ago we don't know what kind of deal you made with him but you owe us about twelve hundred dollars and if you don't pay us twelve hundred dollars we're going to go ahead and withhold your certificate and it was a game that was going back and forth with these guys for about four years and eventually over time the records they have a what they call it in California, a Title IX rule or law, I don't know what it is. Uh, they, after four years, the records are, are pretty much destroyed. And so don't get me started on why it's taken so long. But with Alameda County and the Superior Court, um, they, they said, well, yeah, you know, we believe you completed the course and everything like that. So what we'll do is, this is now fast forward to 2010. They were going to issue the certificate. They ordered the school to order the certificate, but 
they didn't know nothing about it. They weren't going to cut out any uh, certificate for me. They just wanted the money or do another 18-month program. I was not going to go through with that. I was not going to do that. So now you fast forward over to 2021. Uh, they just... <laughs> it's just the same thing with DMV. you got to give us a certificate. you got to give us 140 bucks and an SR-22 to prove that you're financially capable of paying or you're financially responsible that's that's what i was trying to say so that's not a problem but the problem now is right before the pandemic in fact it was right after the the so-called pandemic started in march of 2020 they had to close their doors they sold off their school to some other corporation or business entity and they ended up saying well we're going to kind of keep it going but we're going to get rid of the whole DUI offender program and all those people now do not exist there was just one gentleman I had found out through Alameda County some program like behavioral services or something like that and they referred me to a gentleman who had called me back and his name was Tino and he, he pretty much described himself as a guy that uh he was the last of the Mohicans, I guess you can say. He was the last of anybody from this program. So what he told me to do, he said, "There's basically, there's the school doesn't exist. It was scrapped. He had only called me back to say he was going to go dig through any kind of hard copies that may still exist. But he did assure me that after four years, the records were gone. But he said he would double check just in case, you know, just out of his, you know, out of his generosity of his time, you know. And he called me back and told me they have no records. There is nothing he can do. He can talk to anybody and everybody you wanted to talk to. But if the school doesn't exist, neither does a certificate. So now I had to call this Department of Motor Vehicles unit. It's a special unit for complicated cases, such as what I'm dealing with. And it's called Mandatory Unit. And it's a unit out of Sacramento. It's, it's like the... I guess you could say it's the pinnacle of DMV. It's like the final place where you're going to get any type of order with the DMV. They're almost they're almost like, I guess you could say they're the Washington, D.C. of the California Department of Motor Vehicles. They're right there at the top, right? So dealing with them, is it's really difficult if you haven't dealt with them before. If, you, if it's your first time, you're going to have troubles de dealing with them if you have a special case. So now here in 2021... I have, with the grace of God, I don't know how I did it, I had set up a court date, and as you may know, may or may not know, um, just by testimony, I didn't have any paperwork to prove my case. I, I just went on this hour-long testimony with the judge, attorneys, a whole bunch of people um, to basically tell them what I am trying to tell you guys. And the judge accepted the testimony, he put it down, he, he uh, it was called, what is it called? An orders and findings or something like that. And they basically determined through testimony that they believe everything I said. They ordered OHS as well as DMV to issue me, issue me my license and pay the $140 and the SR-22. And that's where I am today. No school, no certificate, and DMV, any DMV office I go to, they say, well, there's nothing we could do without any anything from the top muckety-mucks in Sacramento, uh, the mandatory unit uh, people. So I had called them last week. I am waiting on them this week. I have not heard nothing. They were supposed to call me last week, actually, I should say, and I haven't heard nothing. So now, after all of this, after I'm done cutting some segments and <laughs> quit my ranting here, uh, I'm going to contact these people and hopefully they're going to say, okay, we're going to contact your local DMV and just tell them to go ahead and issue the certificate or say you've got issued the shown proof of the certificate. That way I can just pay them the 140 bucks in the SR and show them an SR-22, which is about 120 bucks or something like that. I don't know. But until this is all solved... I mean, I'm just kind of stuck in limbo, you know. I'm getting tired of just sitting around here. I mean, luckily I can do my job mobily. You know, I've been doing this, doing this for about, I don't know, four or five years now. So I just want this to end. I just want, to, oh, you don't understand the frustration, guys. It is just so difficult to get. I mean, I mean I'm just so close. 
I am. I, it's like the jogger who is exhausted or the runner who is exhausted at the Boston Marathon and just almost and collapses maybe just a foot away from the finish line. That's where I'm at with this. You know, I'm collapsing and now I'm just kind of crawling to the finish line. And I don't know, man. It, it's it's a pain in the ass. So I gotta get in touch with these guys. And uh, uh, I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could have done this. I really kind of looked back at everything, and I just kind of said, yeah, I could have done certain things a certain way, but, you know, again, that was 23 years ago, and I just can't live in the past. I got to try to fix this now, and we'll see. Anyhow, I'm a little stressed over that. So let me go ahead. Let me take a break. Let me pull up a couple of stories I did run across. I think it's kind of funny. I'm probably... I'm try to minimize my ranting with these stories uh, seeing as I took up enough time what 11 minutes now just over 11 minutes with this so let me take a pause and I will come back to you guys real quick I thought I'd just do some clickbaiting right here What is it? It is now 11.24 Pacific Standard Time, and this is what Google News is putting out there. Here, let me refresh it real quick. Make sure we get the most up-to-date. First thing that tops, <laughs> major UN climate change report warns of quote-unquote extreme and quote-unquote unprecedented impacts. I will pass on that. There's one that says, Roberta Kaplan, who aided Cuomo, resigns from Time's Up. Time, Time's Up chairwoman resigns amid backlash for effort to aid Cuomo discredit one of his accusers. I'll tell you, man, that Cuomo, man. <laughs> Jesus. They are really throwing that guy under the bus. Uh, here's one. NBC News says six unvaccinated Florida church members die of COVID within 10 days, pastor says. Again, that's NBC News reporting that just about four hours ago. You know, and that's what we're going to start hearing a lot about Florida, DeSantis. Uh, they're going to be trashing. They're going to be trashing on the guy. They're, you're going to hear a lot coming from fucking. They're going to hit Texas, too, and Abbott and Governor Abbott as well. I mean, you can see it coming going into November 2022. They're just going to start trashing these guys. And I think DeSantis, he, he rolls it off like Teflon. You know, he's not tripping. So, oh, yeah. Yellen pushes Congress to raise debt ceiling on bipartisan bases as feud with GOP escalates. I mean, come on, man. That's all these fucking idiots are doing is just throwing fucking money. I mean, it... <laughs> They're just printing it up and leaving our children and our grandchildren for no future. It's just crazy. And, and now they want to raise the debt ceiling so they can spend more money. That's just absolutely insane. It's, it's truly insane. Here's another one. Trump sails away as Rudy Giuliani drowns in legal bills. That's coming from the Daily Beast. All these are just like left-wing rags, man. Oh, well, that's Google News. What do you expect? Uh, here's another one, another left-winger news rag. LA Times says, Newsom hopes voters will ignore recall ballot second question. <laughs> now, hold on, you just got me. I'm, I'm clicking on this real quick. What does this say? This is coming LA Times. Uh, quickly, it says, For Governor Gavin Newsom, the only thing that matters in the recall election he faces is how California voters fill out the part of the ballot that can keep him in office whether they understand that they also have the right to select a potential replacement uh, isn't part of his equation. And I skipped through, and it comes up right here. It says, while some voters in L.A. County will begin receiving ballots this week, most counties will begin distribution a week from Monday, state and local election officials say they have plans to communicate to voters that the two questions, whether Newsom should be removed and who should take his place in the event that happens are distinct from one another and can both be answered. But Newsom's campaign is largely pretending the second question doesn't exist. Are you challenging me? Leave it blank. Nathan Click, an advisor to Newsom, said about the replacement election. 
quoting, voting no on the recall is the only way to block the Republican power grab and prevent a Republican takeover of California. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This is a one-party state, and it's a whole bunch of progressive lunatics that are running the asylum. You know what I mean? I don't know where they think this is a power grab. They've already owned the power grab. They own that title. Yeah, I'm not going to entertain this story. It's a power grab, big time. <laughs> it's a, it's their power grab. It's not the Republican power grab. It's this is just a bipartisan fight against a tyrant that's primarily destroyed this state. So he's just nervous. He, I, I think Larry Elder's really got him nervous because there's a lot of popularity for the guy. And again, I'm not going to announce who I am backing. I'm not going to do that until September Labor Day weekend. That's what I'll do. I, I want to hear from everybody. There's there's people out there that are still actually tweeting um, what they want to do with the state. So I like I, I, I read their tweets. I like what I hear. I like the competition. Um, I don't I don't want to hear nothing Newsom's got to say. <laughs> We've already know where he stands, and it ain't nothing good. So moving on, it says here Fauci calls for vaccine mandates for teachers, even as the largest teachers union speaks out against it. And here's a local one. Deadly Sunnyvale house party shooting was at Airbnb rental, police confirmed. Yeah, I heard about that. That's like the third one in the Bay Area from an Airbnb. Uh, Alright, well, let me take a break. Wind's picking up. It's very strange. It's a weird phenomenon. If you try to do recording, no matter when I hit the record button, the wind picks up. Hear it? It just picks up. And then when I hit the stop button, when I stop recording, the wind dies down. It's some sort of joke. I don't know if God's playing tricks on me or maybe it's my old best friend who passed away. You know, he was always a practical joker and a jackass. So this is kind of stuff he'd pull just to fuck with me. It's just weird. It's a, it's a weird phenomenon. Anyhow, see, it's picking up right now. But anyhow, let me take a break, let me take a pause, and I've <laughs> that's enough of the clickbait. It's a lot of jackassery going on. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, let me take a break. I'll be right back right after this. <laughs> okay, before I get into this uh, story I wanted to tell, it's a very interesting story. Uh, you know, let me just tell you, before I get hit with uh, the whole xenophobia, you're a racist bullshit talk, let me just tell you what just happened to me. Now, you have to picture, I live on the cusp of Silicon Valley. There is a super high concentration of Asian migrants in my neighborhood. And let's just say, they don't, they're not too hip to what's going on. They're very inquisitive people. Um, I'm sitting here. I'm just a guy doing a jackass podcast with a laptop and a microphone. And as I was about to begin cutting a segment, they had come up and they had stopped and noticed me speaking because I was I was doing some tests on my computer, to, you know, checking the le- the sound levels and everything like that. And they would just stop. And they were watching what I was doing, and I was saying a couple things in one of my segments. And they, I guess they thought it was some sort of live, (laughs) something live to watch, or something like that. I don't know. It was just very bizarre. One of the people pulled out their cell phone, and I, I swear, I thought they were taking a picture of me. Or taking some video. I don't know why they would do that. I am nothing of fame. But everybody knows who this guy is. Come on, man. <laughs> I don't know why these people would do that. But it, it seemed kind of really uncomfortable to me. Um, to just kind of walk up to me. Uh, not more, I don't know, about 10 feet away. And just stand there and with their baby powdery blue masks on. And they were, they were talking to each other in some language. I don't know. Uh, some Mandarin. I guess, and I don't know what the hell they were saying, but they seemed to be pretty amused by what I was doing, so I don't know what the hell that was all about. But anyhow, that was very weird. So let me, <laughs> enough of that. Let me just get to the story. Um, this has come from the Post. It, this is a very strange story. Black Pennsylvania couple accused of kidnapping their adopted white children. Okay. 
And it says our hero, a black couple from Pennsylvania. Let me see if I can zoom in. Just give me a second here. It says right here, a black couple from Pennsylvania who adopted twin boys who are white have been accused of kidnapping their own children, including by a woman who threatened to call the cops when their sons had a tantrum at a playground, according to a report. Jenner McDuffie, or let me see, Jennifer McDuffie Moore, 43, and her husband Harry Moore, 37, took in three-year-olds Brayden and Trevor as foster children after they were separated at birth from their biological mother, who suffered from drug addiction, Southwest News Service reported. Two years later, the Collingdale couple officially adopted the twins who joined the couple's biological children, Joy 21 and Courtney 11, and their adoptive kids, Keenan 10 and Sanchez 8, according to the news outlet. Jennifer 43, who co-owns a childcare program, and Harry a mechanic described racist episodes they have experienced as black parents of white children. You know, I'll be honest with you, it is kind of a weird, that is kind of strange because, you know, I guess maybe we're just kind of conditioned to seeing white people adopting these, these African children. You, you've seen, you know who I'm talking about, these Hollywood elites <laughs> that go around. It was like some sort of trend. I don't give a fuck. Uh, who was it? Uh, Laura Croft, what's her face? Her and Brad Pitt, they were going around adopting children. I think uh, a couple of other women were going around adopting you know these african children uh you know kind of using them like props or something so i guess maybe we just kind of naturally thought oh, it's always the white people adopting these impoverished children from you know other parts of the country but you know why why not i don't care who gives a shit i think it's great that they're adopting children that you know might need a home you know a loving family i think that's absolutely great you know great for these people I'm, i am all for adoption big time Quoting, a month ago we were playing at the playground and the twins didn't want to go home. A lady had been watching us playing and when one of the twins had a tantrum, she told me she was going to call the police, Jennifer told SWNS. 911, what's your emergency? I scooped up the kids up and she thought I was stealing them. One of the twins said, no, that's my mom. I don't want to justify it because people should mind their own business, she said. And it shows her, yeah, her and her husband, and... Yeah, I mean, yeah, it'd be, I mean, <laughs> I don't think I'd sit there and call the police or anything like that. If the kids aren't screaming and the kids are saying, hi, mom, hi, dad, why are you calling the police? You know, the person making the phone call to the police, they're the ones with the problem. They seem to have some sort of racial hang up. I don't know. I think these are just people that are just helping out kids that, you know, that have been abandoned by, you know, their family. So, and unfortunately it was due to drugs and alcohol. So, you know, I, again... I'm all for, pro, I'm pro-adoption, big time. I think it's great. And it goes on to say, the couple also said they've been pulled over by the police while driving in their minivan. In one episode, a cop interrogated them about two white foster girls in the vehicle, quoting, we were coming back from a family out, outing from Delaware, and we got pulled over, Jennifer told SWNS, quoting on, we had our children and two little strawberry blonde girls who were fostering with us and the first thing the cops asked my husband was who's those kids whose kids are those and he wasn't kind about it she said harry said the officer claimed he had pulled them over because the minivan's windows were too dark quoting further but we knew why he pulled us over he said the parents said they first experienced the racial challenges when they adopted keenan who also is white in 2016 but the episodes grew more intense after George Floyd's murder and at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. Quoting, we often see transracial adoption done the other way, a white family adopting a black child, Jennifer told SWNS. So, yeah, exactly. See? Even doing the paperwork, there are a lot of questions about the ability to foster children who are white. It took us 2,695 days to adopt Keenan because we are black, she said. We have conversations about race all the time in our home. We talk about it. We know that everyone is different. You have to acknowledge it and not pretend to be colorblind, Jennifer continued. Quoting, last year was crazy. We saw all these racially charged incidents happen and we had to have conversation with our children, she added. The mom said Braden and Trevor were supposed to stay for a weekend and now they're, they are here forever. They were born with a drug in their system 
And so they are medically needy with developmental delays and speech and language issues, she said. And she has it with a nice photo. Nice photo. Great looking family. Great looking kids. Dad looks happy. Kids look absolutely happy. I, I don't see a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, and again, just like the article says, it is true. You, you, you kind of think it is the white people, you know, taking in you know, the black kids. But it's the other way around in this particular incident. And I have to admit, I mean, I, again, I wouldn't sit there and be tripping over it, you know. Especially if the kids are smiling, having a good time. Obviously, you know, if you see a child smiling around another person, obviously they know that person. They feel comfortable around that person, right? So, And it finishes up saying, quoting, Two days after we took them in for a weekend to give them foster care a, a break, the agency asked if they could stay for good, Jennifer continued. And we said they could stay with us until they found a home, but then time passed and they were nearly a, a year old. And our whole family, my nieces and our church, pitched in and we eventually started the adoption process, she said. The couple said they can't imagine their family without the twins. Quoting, they are definitely our, are our sons, Jennifer told SWNS. Instead of scrutinizing what color people are, or their gender, or their preferences, people should understand that love really does support a family. There are so many kids out there without homes. Absolutely fantastic. Bravo. Bravo. I love the story. We need more people like this in our society. I mean, we can't lose sight. But, you know, this is how you really help people. This is how you do it right here. Not tearing shit up and, and blaming others. You know, you can sit there, these people can sit there and, and just blame the parents for being drug addicts and abandoning, abandoning their children all day, all night. You can do that until your face turns blue. But really what it matters is those kids, you know. You just got to kind of just say, okay, the parents made a bad decision. These kids need our help. Let's give them the best opportunity out there, you know. And again, God bless these parents. Just a quick reminder, make sure you go and subscribe to my Twitter page at The Real WOD on updates when I'll be dropping podcast episodes as well as when I release any videos on YouTube or Rumble. Also on Twitter, I'll be posting news articles as well as videos that I talk about on the podcast. So go ahead and subscribe and make sure you hit that notification bell. Thanks. All right, guys, did you hear about this one? This is from Fox News. It says uh, CNN helped raise $230,000 for mom facing eviction before issuing major correction, quoting, she is not the mother. <laughs> ah, CNN, your credibility amazes me. Uh, it says CNN recently promoted the story of a mom of three young children who was nervously who was nervous about being evicted amid the federal eviction moratorium. The liberal network even pushed a GoFundMe to help her cover the rent. But it turns out she wasn't the mother after all. <laughs> CNN reporter Nick Watt caught up with, the da with Dasha Kelly last week for a story on the recent eviction moratorium lapse. He referred to the three children as her quote-unquote her little girls and noted they could all end up on the street as CNN's on-screen Chiron said, Mom's braces for eviction. Watt explained that Kelly lost her job because of the coronavirus pandemic and could no longer afford childcare, and her little girl uh, were shown during CNN segments. That's interesting because I think a lot of people can relate to that, not just this woman. So I, I'm just, I'll leave it alone. I digress. It goes on to say, however, it turns out Kelly isn't the mother of the three young children used throughout CNN's reporting. Update. After CNN aired a story about her potential eviction, Dasha Kelly clarified to CNN that she is not the mother of the three children featured in the story. CNN has verified she takes care of the children in her home for periods of time. She says she's originally described herself to CNN as a mother because she considers herself to be like one of the uh, like one to them. A correction added to CNN's online report said, "Let me tell you something. She's just another grifter. <laughs> just another grifter looking for a payday right there." 
The online version of the on-air interview now begins with a disclaimer, quote-unquote, after CNN aired a story about her potential eviction, Dasha Kelly clarified to CNN that she is not the mother of the three children featured in the story. Kelly was portrayed as a single mom at the outset, however. Dasha Kelly has started a GoFundMe page to try to cover the rent, $2,000. It's a Hail Mary, she said. She's praying for a miracle, hoping for a miracle, Watt told CNN viewers, who were quick to donate. <laughs> How do you feel? I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Talk about being hustled. They got a lot of bad people. CNN is such... Oh, my God, these people are so incompetent. Who the hell... Don't they even verify the shit they throw out there? What, just... I can say anything and it's just, like, true to word without even any type of verification? I mean, what kind of credibility do these people have? Them, that other garbage network, MSNBC. Just straight-up garbage. Just bullshitting and grifting the public. It's just incredible, man. The CNN promoted GoFundMe, which was also shared on CNN's social media accounts, ended up raising over $230,000. CNN then brought back Kelly and the three small children for an emotional follow-up interview alongside Representative Cori Bush. Oh, my God. There's a grifter if I ever heard one. Uh, a Democrat from Missouri after the Biden administration announced a new ban on landlords evicting tenants during the pandemic. Yeah, that chick, man. She was a total grifter, fake crocodile tears. She's sitting there with a big bag of Oreos uh, covered in a nice warm sleeping bag, and she's sitting on the chair. I mean, what a fraud. These people are just frauds and grifters, man. And, you, and people throw money at this shit. I just don't understand that. Just stop. They are just placating off of your emotions, and, and people buy into this shit, man. Cori Bush, that, that's a grifter and a half, man. The shit she said, she don't care. She spends $200,000 or even $10. She deserves security while the rest of us don't. That's the kind of people we're dealing with. 911, what's your emergency? And the woman's got a tweet, and it says right here, When I say your congresswoman loves... This is from Congressman Cori Bush. When I say your congresswoman loves you, this is what I mean. <laughs> Kelly... I may not be your representative, but I love you, and I will not stop working to make sure you and every person in our country has what they need to thrive. Okay, I, I got something for you, Cory Bush. I need my driver's license after 23 years, and <laughs> that's what I need to thrive. <laughs> what a grifter. Quoting, uh, let's see, CNN is now reporting that Kelly is actually the girlfriend of the children's father, and they will return to live with their actual mother before school starts. CNN's online version of the story was initially headlined more than $170,000 raised in 24 hours for a mother and three kids facing eviction. It was changed to more than $170,000 raised in 24 hours for a Las Vegas woman facing eviction. GoFundMe told CNN it has put the funds on hold and nothing has been withdrawn. Quoting, my name is Kelly, and I have $3 living in Nevada, Kelly wrote in the description of the GoFundMe page. Continuing, we were maintaining just fine before this pandemic hit. Now we are suffering. We do have EBT for food and also applied for CHAP. However, they do not assist immediately. We owe $1,900 for rent alone, not including utilities. I will figure out utilities by pawning a few things. As you all know, it's entirely still too hot to be homeless. My daughters are age 5, 6, and 8. Please help with anything you can. Let me just tell you something right off the top, reading that. That is straight up a grifter. She straight up lied. She, she used those kids, said they were her kids. Those three kids, a 5, a 6, and an 8-year-old, exploiting somebody else's children so you can get your $1,900 rent paid what a fucking fraud what a grifter that's all these people people like cory bush that's what they do they just kind of encourage other people to just con money out of your pocket man it's just a big fucking hustle now man talk about the corruption that's just all of a sudden exploding in the last six months jesus it's just incredible people are just showing their their scumbag personas man <laughs> CNN did not immediately report to a request for additional comment. Of course. Of course they're not. They're garbage. They keep pushing this, this grifting mentality. 
Oh my god. Alright guys, this is coming from the post. Jeopardy host frontrunner denies discrimination claims. Not who I am. It goes like this. What is backtrack? Mike Richards, the rumored new Jeopardy host, as well as the game show's resident executive producer, has spoken out about his role in past discrimination lawsuits from a decade ago. Richards, 46, was previously an executive producer on The Price is Right when the CBS show was slapped with two biased suits in 2010 and 2011 in an office memo allegedly sent to his staff Monday morning. Richards confirmed reports he was the frontrunner to be the permanent Jeopardy host and discussed his roles in the lawsuits, quoting, I want to address the complicated employment issues raised in the press during my time at The Price is Right 10 years ago. These were allegations made in employment disputes against the show. The father of the two wrote in the memo, according to The Hollywood Reporter. Quoting, I want you all to know that the way in which my comments and actions have been characterized in these complaints does not reflect the reality of who I am or how we work together on The Price is Right. He continued, I know firsthand how special it is to be a parent. It is the most important thing in the world to me. I would not say anything to disrespect anyone's pregnancy and have always supported my colleagues on their parenting journeys. <laughs> Wow, I don't know what that means, but I'm sure we'll learn here in a second. In 2010, former model Brandy Cochran won more than $8.5 million in punitive damages from The Price is Right after it was ruled the show discriminated against her because she was pregnant. Richard's memo continued, I am very proud of my time on The Price is Right and let's make a deal. During my tenure, our female cast members welcomed seven beautiful children. We embraced and celebrated each pregnancy and birth, both in front of and behind the camera. It was a joy to watch their families grow and highlight their, hap their happiness as part of the show. In 2011, model Lanisha Cole also sued the game show for sexual harassment. She alleged that Richards and another producer were verbally abusive to her on set. Richards was dismissed in that lawsuit in April of 2013, and the issue was settled one month later. In Monday's memo, Richards also acknowledged that he is among those in negotiations to take over as Jeopardy host. And quoting, It is true that I was asked if I would consider hosting the show. I was humbled and deeply honored, he said. No final decisions have been made, and discussions with me and other potential hosts are still ongoing. So it looks like the cancel culture has got their eyeballs set. They got the crosshairs on Jeopardy again, it looks like. So I'll have to see how that pans out. I never watched Jeopardy. I, didn't, I never really was thrilled by that show. I don't even know why the hell it's still on the air, to tell you the truth. And as far as Wheel of Fortune goes, what the hell is that show doing on? Pat Sajak and Vanna White. I mean, aren't they close to death by now? <laughs> What's going on there? All right, guys, did you hear about this one? This is from Fox News. It says uh, CNN helped raise $230,000 for mom facing eviction before issuing major correction, quoting, she is not the mother. <laughs> ah, CNN, your credibility amazes me. Uh, it says CNN recently promoted the story of a mom of three young children who was nervously who was nervous about being evicted amid the federal eviction moratorium. The liberal network even pushed a GoFundMe to help her cover the rent. But it turns out she wasn't the mother after all. <laughs> CNN reporter Nick Watt caught up with, the da with Dasha Kelly last week for a story on the recent eviction moratorium lapse. 
He referred to the three children as her quote-unquote her little girls and noted they could all end up on the street as CNN's on-screen Chiron said mom's braces for eviction. Watt explained that Kelly lost her job because of the coronavirus pandemic and could no longer afford childcare, and her little girl uh, were shown during CNN segments. That's interesting because I think a lot of people can relate to that, not just this woman. So I, I'm just, I'll leave it alone. I digress. It goes on to say, however, it turns out Kelly isn't the mother of the three young children used throughout CNN's reporting. Update. After CNN aired a story about her potential eviction, Dasha Kelly clarified to CNN that she is not the mother of the three children featured in the story. CNN has verified she takes care of the children in her home for periods of time. She says she's originally described herself to CNN as a mother because she considers herself to be like one, of the, uh, like one to them. A correction added to CNN's online report said, Let me tell you something, she's just another grifter. Just another grifter looking for a payday right there. The online version of the on-air interview now begins with a disclaimer, quote-unquote, after CNN aired a story about her potential eviction, Dasha Kelly clarified to CNN that she is not the mother of the three children featured in the story. Kelly was portrayed as a single mom at the outset, however. Dasha Kelly has started a GoFundMe page to try to cover the rent, $2,000. It's a Hail Mary, she said. She's praying for a miracle, hoping for a miracle, Watt told CNN viewers, who were quick to donate. <laughs> How do you feel? I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Talk about being hustled. They got a lot of bad people. CNN is such, oh my God, these people are so incompetent. Who the hell, don't they even verify the shit they throw out there? What, just, I can say anything and it's just like true to word without even any type of verification? I mean, what kind of credibility do these people have? Them, that other garbage network, MSNBC. Just straight up garbage, just bullshitting and grifting the public. It's just incredible, man. The CNN promoted GoFundMe, which was also shared on CNN's social media accounts, ended up raising over $230,000. CNN then brought back Kelly and the three small children for an emotional follow-up interview alongside Representative Cori Bush. Oh my God, there's a grifter if I ever heard one. Uh, a Democrat from Missouri after the Biden administration announced a new ban on landlords evicting tenants during the pandemic. Yeah, that chick, man. She was a total grifter, fake crocodile tears. She's sitting there with a big bag of Oreos uh, covered in a nice warm sleeping bag and she's sitting on the chair. I mean, what a fraud. These people are just frauds and grifters, man. And, you, and people throw money at this shit. I just don't understand that. Just stop. They are just placating off of your emotions. And, and people buy into this shit, man. Cori Bush, that, that's a grifter and a half, man. The shit she said, she don't care. She spends $200,000 or even $10. She deserves security while the rest of us don't. That's the kind of people we're dealing with. 911, what's your emergency? And the woman's got a tweet, and it says right here, When I say your congresswoman loves... This is from Congressman Cory Bush. When I say your congresswoman loves you, this is what I mean. <laughs> Kelly, I may not be your representative, but I love you, and I will not stop working to make sure you and every person in our country has what they need to thrive. Okay, I, I got something for you, Cory Bush. I need my driver's license after 23 years, and <laughs> that's what I need to thrive. <laughs> what a grifter. Quoting, uh, let's see, CNN is now reporting that Kelly is actually the girlfriend of the children's father and they will return to live with their actual mother before school starts. CNN's online version of the story was initially headlined, more than $170,000 raised in 24 hours for a mother and three kids facing eviction. It was changed to more than $170,000 raised in 24 hours for a Las Vegas woman facing eviction. GoFundMe told CNN it has put the funds on hold and nothing has been withdrawn. Quoting, my name is Kelly and I have $3 living in Nevada, Kelly wrote in the description of the GoFundMe page. Continuing, we were maintaining just fine before this pandemic hit. Now we are suffering. We do have EBT for food and also applied for CHAP. 
However, they do not assist immediately. We owe $1,900 for rent alone, not including utilities. I will figure out utilities by pawning a few things. As you all know, it's entirely still too hot to be homeless. My daughters are age five, six, and eight. Please help with anything you can. Let me just tell you something right off the top, reading that. That is straight up a grifter. She straight up lied. She, she used those kids, said they were her kids. Those three kids, a five, a six, and an eight-year-old, exploiting somebody else's children so you can get your $1,900 rent paid. What a fucking fraud. What a grifter. That's all these people. People like Cori Bush, that's what they do. They just kind of encourage other people to just con money out of your pocket, man. It's just a big fucking hustle now, man. Talk about the corruption that's just all of a sudden exploding in the last six months. Jesus. It's just incredible. People are just showing their, their scumbag personas, man. <laughs> CNN did not immediately report to a request for additional comment. Of course. Of course they're not. They're garbage. They keep pushing this, this grifting mentality. Oh my God. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm really, this is like my fifth time putting out this story. This is the last fucking story I'm going to do. The fucking wind, all of a sudden, it, it just picked up, as you can hear. And it sounds like a fucking hurricane's about to hit, so. <laughs> I just want to get this one out, and I'm going to call it the day. Quentin Tarantino kept a promise he made to his mother during a fight to never help her financially. Okay says Quentin Tarantino says he kept a promise he made during a fight with his mother years ago to never give her a penny of his filmmaking fortune the 58 year old Pulp Fiction director appeared on the moment podcast where he told host billions actor Brian Koppelman about the time his mother discouraged his writing and filmmaking career when he was about 12 years old at the time, a young Tarantino was spending his time in school writing screenplays, which his teachers viewed as an act of rebellion, presumably because he was not assigned to write said screenplays. This caused some friction between him and his mother, Connie Zastopoul. One day, when he got in some trouble, his mother noted during a lecture that she was not going to indulge his writing habit any longer. Quoting, and then in the middle of her little tirade, she said, Oh, and by the way, this little writing career, with the finger quotes and everything, this little writing career that you're doing, that shit is over, he explained via The Independent. <laughs> the star went on to claim that he bet big on himself at the moment and vowed to never let her profit off of what he was, conf he was confident would be a successful career. Quoting, When she said that to me in that sarcastic way, I go, okay lady, when I become a successful writer, you will never see a penny, one, from my success, he said. There will be no house for you, there's no vacation for you, no Elvis Cadillac for mommy, you get nothing because you said that. Oh hell no! The director claims that he kept that promise, noting that the only financial help he ever given his mom was helping her out of a jam with the IRS, as for a house, Cadillac, and vacations, nothing. Although Celebrity Net Worth estimates the filmmaker has roughly $120 million in the bank, after decades of making hit movies, he explained that his reasons for withholding the cash had less to do with not having enough and more to do with his principles. Quoting, there are consequences for your words as you deal with your children, he concluded. Remember, there are consequences for your sarcastic tone about what's meaningful to them. The Hollywood Reporter noted in February of 2020 that the filmmaker is now a parent himself, welcoming a baby with his wife, Daniela Pick. Meanwhile, he may be drawing his filmmaking career to an end. People reports that he recently appeared on the Pure Cinema podcast in which he noted that he'd be pleased to retire on the Oscar winning 
once upon a time in Hollywood. Quoting, I mean, most directors' films are fucking lousy. Maybe I should not make another movie because I could be really happy with dropping the mic, he said. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, that's a family thing. I, I don't think he would just totally shut out his mom. I don't think he'd be that bad. I think if she ever came around... Yeah, I think any any child that's got a lot of money, you know, and and his parent was in trouble. I mean, unless your parent had totally abused you physically, emotionally, you know, sexually or something like that, I don't think you would just sit there and just totally alienate them. If they needed some money, if their house was going to be foreclosed or something, I think he'd I think he might put in a couple of bucks or something. I'd hate to think that he would be that cold-blooded, but I don't know. I'm not I'm not quitting. I don't know. Who knows, right? I know he's kind of crazy and stuff, so. Alright, guys. That's all I got for you today. Thank you so much for stopping by and checking out my podcast. Sorry about all the wind. <laughs> I can't control that. I can do my best to try to block it. I got my hat over the mic. I got, I'm doing all these little things to try to keep the wind from screwing up this podcast, and hopefully uh, I did okay. I'll have to pick out another location where, or I'll just have to wait till it's not so windy. I don't think it's too bad. I, I think it's great. I love it. <laughs> I personally enjoy doing it. Hope you guys enjoy listening. Uh, that's all I got. I got I got a trip to DMV. I got to make. I got to get. I got to get shit taken care of. And uh, fingers crossed. You know, pray for me out there in uh, podcast land. I need all the love I can get. Throw in a prayer for me. Give me all the support to God. Tell him to help me get my my license back, okay? I really need it back. All right, guys. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm a ghost. You guys have a wonderful Monday. Stay safe out there. And I will talk to you hump day Wednesday. Peace out from Windy Quarry Lakes.